Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Hey, um, we've, uh, as you know, we've been in this series called Faith, Hope and Love uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the Apostle Paul is talking about these three main aspects of our faith and also about the kingdom, faith, hope and love, and that the greatest of these are love. And uh, I really want to talk about hope today and the fact that Jesus is the hope of all of humanity. And uh, I want us to, uh, to check out this story that is just uh, overflowing with hope. Um, it doesn't look like it from the beginning, but if you stay with the, uh, the story, um, you're going to see something amazing happening at the end. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. It's going to come up here on the screen in a second as well. John chapter 4. And how many of you know it's starting to look a little bit like Christmas? Um, and for some of you, it's been looking a lot like Christmas since October. And uh, you know who you are, um, these uh, premature decorators. There is a crime against that, you know, and um, my wife is guilty of that. It went up in October, and I said, I don't think that's right or legal. So, um, but the, the, the real crime is leaving the tree up until Easter the following year. That's really, yeah, that's a no-no. So, um, all of you decorators, just know that. Um, but... Uh, this is a, an amazing time of year, as you know, and uh, really, really exciting. And so uh, I want to talk about hope in particular. So we're going to kick off in verse 3. Now he, being Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Interesting use of words there. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Samaria, the place that everyone else was giving a wide berth and avoiding. But here, John is telling us Jesus actually needed to go through there. Uh, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So here we know we are seeing the humanity of Christ. Jesus is God, fully God and fully man. He is the God-man. And we see uh, his glory of his Godhood in so many things, but we also understand that he is also at the same time fully man. And here we have a tired saviour. Uh, he is so tired that he's having to sit down by this well. And uh, it's in the middle of the day. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Interesting note here. She was able to tell he was Jewish just by looking at him. So I know Hollywood has all of these great depictions of Jesus being six foot three, uh, beautiful uh, complexion, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, long flowing locks. Uh, no, um, Jesus looked Jewish. <laughs> he, he looked incredibly plainly Jewish that this woman looked at him and could tell that he was Jewish. 
Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. That is a big claim. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that, you, in, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Don't you like how she quickly changes the subject? <laughs> a little bit awkward. Let me flip the script here and change it to worship. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation of the, is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Jesus is explaining to this woman there is a shift coming, that it is no longer about mountains and temples, it is now about spirit and truth. It is now about hearts and minds, that there is this transition from all of the ex external things to God seeking true worshippers, and the true worship is always internal. And it's no longer about location, it's about intimacy. Jesus is explaining this to her. Uh, God is spirit, Jesus goes on and says, and those who worshipped him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am who speak to you, am he. And at this point, the disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. That's significant. She left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. At this point of uh, time in the year, it kind of feels like that we are slowly limping towards the end of the year. Uh, that 2020 has been such a tumultuous 
and uh, turbulent year that uh, it has exhausted us. Uh, many of us are feeling weary, battle weary, uh, just feeling fatigued and all of that. And I felt the Holy Spirit give me this message because God doesn't just want you limping to the finish line. He wants you running like Usain Bolt crossing that finish line. Uh, and he's going to do it by filling you with new fresh hope. Uh, that you don't have to live empty, you don't have to live depleted and defeated, that Jesus actually came to fill you full to overflowing. And so today I want to talk to us about going from empty to plenty. Going from empty to plenty. Because for a lot of us, um, and, and, and you know, all sorts of professions, we're just feeling drained at this time of year. We feel like, man, the holidays could not come quicker because it has been a really, really tough year. You know, talking with, with teachers and, and people that have had to do so much more work because of the shift and shutdowns earlier this year and, and all the work that needed to be changed and put online and stuff like that. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, there are a number of people and they're feeling at this point of, of the year, they're feeling like it's like driving on E um, and your dash light is flashing. And by the way, E does not mean enough. Um, I know many of us like to test the limits of our car and just think, well, I'm going down the hill, let me flip to neutral, turn off the radio, turn off the AC. I'm just going to save as much because I don't know how much is here. And it's flashing, E, empty, empty. It's not, it's not enough. And so for, for a lot of us, I understand that it feels like, man, we're just going to get through. I can't wait till this year is over. I want to tell you, you don't need to limp across the finish line. You can finish strong. And it's because Jesus is the hope of humanity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word, Lord God. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, Lord God. And help us, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So shifting from a place of emptiness to a place of abundance. Uh, how does Jesus do it? How can we go from empty to a place of plenty? I want to just highlight a, a few things from this story about how that transition takes place. And the first point I want you to know is that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. So you may have walked in here feeling inadequate, feeling disqualified, dragging stuff from your past in here, thinking I'm not really good enough, but I'm here anyway. I want to tell you that your past doesn't determine your future. And it doesn't matter what has happened uh, in, in your past. It does not need to define what God is about to do for you. Because here we have this woman. This woman, if this was a movie, if the Gospel of John was a movie, uh, and, and we had gotten to that part in Gospel John uh, chapter 3. Uh, there would be this beautiful scene. It's in the middle of the night, and there is this man who is covered, and he comes and he meets Jesus secretly. And this man is not just any man. He is actually one of the national leaders. His name is Nicodemus. And this scene where they are having this intimate conversation and Nicodemus is trying to work him out. And it's in, in this context that Jesus actually says to him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It is a beautiful picture 
of a genuine seeker that is coming to Jesus in the middle of the night. But then there is this transition, and if you stay with the story, the scene changes, and we go into John chapter 4, and it is no longer this great leader of the upper echelon of Israel coming to the middle of the night to meet Jesus. Now we have a scene of an unnamed woman coming to meet Jesus in the middle of the day. She is unnamed and she's a Samaritan. This woman has so many strikes against her, it's not funny. She is a woman. Women didn't really have any rights back in that day. She is Samaritan. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Not only is she a Samaritan woman, but because of her checkered past, that is five divorces, five broken relationships, and now she is living with someone who will not even give her the decency of marrying her. He does not even value her enough to actually uh, marry her and, and do it in the right way. He has so, she is so devalued that she has actually accepted this. Uh, she has no self-worth. And so this, this is the thing about, uh, about God. Sometimes we sort of come to God, we think we're disqualified. I've done this, this, and this. It's like three strikes, you're out. But God is saying today, no, 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 three strikes and you're in. That it doesn't matter what has happened in your past. This woman is a five-time divorcee. She is living in a relationship with a man she's not married to. Her own people actually rejected her. We know this because she is coming out in the middle of the day. Women did not go to the well in the middle of the day. They went in groups in the cool hours of the morning or in the afternoon when the sun had dipped down. And it was a social event. But we know that she has been so marginalized and ostracized, she's coming out in the middle of the day because she knows no one's going to be there. She is avoiding all of the snide remarks, all of the chuckles, all of the side eyes, all of those glances, talking about her behind her back. She has avoided all of that and she is coming out in the middle of the day. And there's a stranger at the well. There is a stranger there. And they have this conversation that is unbelievable. Nowhere else in Scripture does any of the gospel writers record the entire discourse of a conversation? But the Apostle John is trying to tell us something here, that this is a valuable exchange that is taking place. That although she is unnamed, she's a Samaritan woman, that she has all of these marks against her, but the gospel writers, moved by the Holy Spirit, are saying, no, 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 her story needs to be told. Her story needs to be entered in, and all of the details... Nowhere else does Jesus say so plainly, reveal his identity. But here, to this unnamed woman, Jesus tells her exactly who he is. Every other time Jesus heals someone, he's always kind of saying, now listen, don't tell anyone, and he'll send them off. But to this woman, he is speaking plainly, and she is a broken woman. She's a broken woman, and she is empty. She's empty. Have, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where all the demands of your life, maybe it's the demands as a husband, demands as a wife, demands as a parent with your kids, demands on your job, demands at your study, everything is pulling on you. Everything is wanting a piece of you and there is nothing left for you. I want you to know that Jesus comes and he meets her in her place of emptiness. 
The vessels that she is carrying is an actual metaphor. It's an illustration of her. She's empty. There's nothing less. Five broken marriages. Everyone's taken everything from her. There's nothing left. She doesn't care anymore. People have marginalized her and rejected her. And it is in that place that the saviour of the world comes and meets her. Don't ever be afraid of the dysfunction and stuff that you might be struggling with or the addictions or the bondages and think that you're not worthy. I want, you to, I want to tell you that God is the one, he is the God that will step straight into that. He is not intimidated by it. He's not disgusted by it. He will step right into that place of emptiness, that place of vulnerability, that place where you are telling yourself, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I haven't done anything. All of those things, that is the place where Jesus comes and meets her. And it doesn't matter. These two chapters are side by side, I believe, on purpose because it doesn't matter whether you are at the top of your game and everyone knows your name like Nicodemus or whether you are on the bottom, bottom rung of the ladder of society and you are unnamed and no one cares about you and no one knows what's going on internally in your life. It doesn't matter. Jesus will meet you wherever you are. He is no respecter of persons. And I just feel like for someone here where you have allowed labels and other people to define you and to place a tag on you, I want to tell you that God doesn't see you that way, that he sees you as someone worth waiting for. Look at Jesus. Jesus has only got three and a half years to raise up leaders, to start the church, to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament, to redeem all of humanity. He's only got three and a half years. And yet here we find him sitting down by a well, waiting. What does this tell you? It reflects the value that he places on this woman, that he will wait for her. I want to tell you, even before you got here today, God was waiting for you. He was waiting for you to get here because he has something specific for you. All the stuff that you've gone through during the week, all of that stuff, he was here waiting for you. And so though you may have turned up and you're feeling a little depleted and empty and, you know, running on dregs and there's not a whole lot left and I just want to get through the end of the year, I want to tell you this is your day where God's going to, there's going to be an infilling. I believe there's going to be an outpouring because God's will for you is not that you are empty now, but that you would be full to overflowing. Amen. And so in John chapter, uh, oh, sorry, so, so that was uh, no respecter of persons. The second one um, we see is that uh, Jesus redeems the lost and he revives the left. He redeems the lost and he revives the left. Now, to understand what this is talking about, we've got to go back all the way to Genesis chapter 34. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 34, you will discover that in this very same region, and maybe your Bible will have a heading, subheading above that passage of Scripture, and it may say the Dina incident. The Dina incident. Dina was a daughter of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, but he had one daughter. They move into this region. Dina goes out by herself, 
and she is found by a man who happens to be the prince of that region. His name is Shechem. He finds her, he violates her, rapes her. As a result of that, Dina's brothers, they go into that town at a time when the men of the city were extremely vulnerable, couldn't fight back, and they slay all of the men. Now, that is a really, really important backstory because centuries later, in this very same area, there is another man and there is another woman and they're isolated. But this time, this man doesn't violate her, he values her. And not only does he restore her value, he redeems her. And she goes back into the town And as a result of that, Jesus comes in. There is a revival that breaks out. They force Jesus to stay there for two extra days. So what happened in the Old Testament, Jesus is redeeming and restoring in the New Testament. He finds this woman and he restores her. He redeems her. And when they go back, the men of that city aren't slayed. They are saved. Their testimony is this. Now that we have heard him, for ourselves, we no longer just believe because you said, we actually believe that this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus has specifically gone into this area, I believe, to right a past wrong. All this dysfunctional stuff, the curse that was on that area, all of that stuff, he comes in and he totally reverses that. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how dodgy your family line might be, stuff that maybe your parents, grandparents, even before all of that, it doesn't matter what your history is like, Jesus can step into that and he can reverse that entire curse. Actually, the, the, the apostle actually says, Apostle Paul actually says that Jesus on the cross became a curse because it was said that cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus becomes a curse so that we can become a blessing. Every single one of us. I want you to know that he has come to reverse all of that stuff from your history, all of that stuff even before you got here and you're wondering why, why, do they have, why do I have this kind of tendency or this propensity for this kind of thing and maybe it's something in your lineage. I want to tell you that Jesus can enter into that. He can enter into that thing and he can redeem what was lost, restore all those things that was lost and he can actually revive everything that's left. That's what happens here. Lamentations chapter 3 gives us this beautiful passage of Scripture. It says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Every new morning there is new mercies that are waiting you. And every empty place, God is wanting to pour that into your life. And he is wanting to right all of those wrongs from your past, as well as maybe in your family line. That's what Jesus is doing here. And then finally, the last thing that Jesus does that takes us from empty to plenty is that he binds up the broken and fills us to overflowing. He binds up the broken and fills us to overflowing. This woman is wounded and broken because of everything that's happened to her 
and against her. And it's in this conversation that Jesus begins to bind up her wounds and healing is actually able to take place. How do we know this? She is so overwhelmed by the conversation she has with Jesus, the Bible says that she rushes back into the town. Now remember, she comes out at midday because she is avoiding all of these people. But because of what's happened here, she rushes back to the very people she was avoiding and she tells them, come meet a man that told me everything. Could this be the Christ? You know that healing has come. You know that wounds that were maybe open have begun to close when you can confront the things that you were actually avoiding before. And so she, she comes and, and she has this and, and they come out. And then Jesus, they force Jesus to stay with them. They plead with him to stay with them. When Jesus begins his ministry, he steps into the temple. He picks up the scroll from the book of Isaiah and he says these immortal words. He says in Luke 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice that second line where he says, I've come to bind up the broken. And once he's bound up the broken and he's done all those other things, he announces the year of the Lord's favour or the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a year of jubilee, a time of abundance, a time of release, a time of fullness. And Jesus is saying here that until those broken bits or those wounds can be healed and closed, I need to do that first in order to pour into you all the stuff that I have for you. And I I felt during um, this time while I was preparing this that there are people that are in places where you are leading stuff. So it could be a mum that's leading her kids, a dad that's leading his family. Maybe it's a business owner that's leading or teacher that's leading, but you are leading. And this is the thing I felt the Holy Spirit saying, people are leading while they're bleeding. And you are trying to muscle up and do the things that are within your responsibility, but you are leaking your peace. You are leaking joy. You are leaking your passion, relationship with God, all of those things, but you are still trying to move forward. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is here through his Holy Spirit to bind up the broken parts that we have so that we can be whole and so that he can refill us. I read something that an author wrote and he talks about this whole need for healing and woundedness and He said, if you don't heal what hurts you, you end up bleeding on people that didn't cut you. And for so many of us are carrying wounds from other people and no doubt the wounds from maybe her earlier marriages, she took them into her next relationships and never quite got healed. And the same pattern started over again. And so when we don't bring healing and closure And bring those things to Jesus. If we don't, we continue to leak out all of that stuff, all of our joy, all of our peace, all of those things. But I want to tell you 
Jesus came to bind up the broken. He came to bind up the broken. And that's what happened to this woman. She is bound up. All the wounds were bound up, healed. And notice this. This is significant. She leaves the water pot there. She no longer needs an empty vessel because she is now a full vessel. She's no longer needing to draw water from a well because now she has a fountain within her that is bubbling up with joy and value. And I want to tell every single one of us that's here that those moments where you're feeling like, I just don't have enough left. I just don't think I can get through. Understand that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He wants to bind up your brokenness and He wants to fill you to overflowing. John chapter 10, verse 10 pretty much gives us an overview of what Jesus came to do. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life in abundance, life that is full, life that is overflowing. This is the Christian life, that Jesus is wanting to pour into every single one of us, I believe, in this moment. Those times of vulnerability and emptiness, Jesus is here to pour back into all of those. So if I could just ask that you would just bow your head and close your eyes and maybe you're feeling like I've gotten to the end of the year just, and I am, I'm just really, really weary. I'm battle weary, a little bit wounded by stuff that's gone down this year. Um, maybe you're discouraged, depleted, whatever it is. I want to pray specifically for you because God had you in mind when He gave me this word that He can restore those things that are broken. He can bind up our wounds. But not just that, He wants to fill you afresh. He wants to impart to you to overflowing. So you are not just limping through to the finish line, but that you can finish strong this year. So if you are here and this really, you feel like this is really for me, can I ask you to lift your hand because I want to pray specifically for you, for every single person. Don't, doesn't matter where you are. No one else is looking around. Every head is bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray specifically for you. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for every man and woman, Lord God, every single person in this building who is responding right now. Father, you know the details of their situation. You know the intricacies, Lord God. You know all of those things, Father, that although we might be smiling on the outside, Lord God, everything look good, looks good on the outside, but you know that we are weeping and we are slowly dying on the inside. And I just declare right now, Lord God, that this is a new day and that your Holy Spirit is infilling them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that you would overwhelm them and overflow them with your goodness, with your presence, Lord Lord God, let hope arise once again, Lord God. Those things that have been laying dormant and left, Lord, I thank You that today, this is the day of salvation. Now is the time, says the Lord. And I declare that every single one of them, Lord God, would walk out of this place, Lord, 
filled to overflowing. Father, I thank You that there would be a new joy, a new passion, a new peace, Lord God. And I just thank You, Father, that they are going to feel, be filled, Lord God, in abundance, Lord God. That goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their lives, Lord God. That Your presence would go before them, Father. That You would overwhelm them with Your goodness, Lord, with Your hope. Father, I just thank You, Lord God, that this day, you are healing the broken and you are filling the empty in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Can I just ask you just to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and maybe you're here for the first time or, or, or maybe for a long time or, or maybe uh, you've been coming for a little while and you've never actually had an encounter with Jesus. I want to tell you that Jesus is here to meet with you. Maybe you've met church, maybe you've met connect groups, maybe you've met conferences and events. I'm talking about you meeting the person of God Himself. He's here to meet with you. He loves you. He wants a relationship for, with you. And He has so much in store for you. And if you've never ever made that commitment and you're saying today, I want to start a new, could you lift your hand up? I want to pray specifically for you. I want to pray specifically for you. If this is your first time and you want to make that decision, awesome. See your hand, bro. You can put it down. Once you've lifted it, you can put it back down. Fantastic. Awesome. One of our leaders will be with you uh, afterwards. But church, why don't you stand to your feet? And um, want us to hold on to the truth of the word that regardless of how empty we may be feeling or may have felt, God wants to fill you to overflowing. So as we finish with this uh, song, why don't you just lift your hands and we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do that, every single person. You might be feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm good. This is a free top up. There's free refills for everyone today. God's here. He loves you. He has so much for you and He wants you to live from a place of abundance, not a place of emptiness. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.